This is the first time Shaughnessy's ever done this. Here we go. Sorry. Hey, love you. All right. Uh, before, we, uh, before we begin this morning uh, with the text, uh, let me just say a couple quick things. Um, people from time to time, I've been here about a year now, have asked about uh, the version of the scripture that I read. And, uh, and so let me just kind of address that briefly. Uh, I tend to use um, what's called the, the, the New Revised Standard Version or the NRSV. And so I do that for a couple of reasons, uh, for a few reasons, really. One of them is, uh, is because of the fact that in seminary, that's the one that we used. Secondly, uh, one of the biblical scholars that I really like, N.T. Wright, he, um, he tends to use that, and so I, I, I like that. Um, I also tend to like it because it's not necessarily something that many of us have been raised with reading that particular version. And I think sometimes it's helpful to just hear something, uh, hear something put in a different way, in a different uh, language, a different style. Um, there's certainly nothing perfect about it. There are, um, there are flaws with it like there is with any version, but, um, but overall, um, it tends to be why I use that particular version. Uh, another reason why I used to do it a lot in my previous churches was because it would force people to not read along. Sometimes people like reading along and I, I you know, the scriptures originally oftentimes would have been heard, of course, orally, not, not read. And I think that there's something to just listening to scripture rather than always reading it. But of course, now that we put it up on the screens, that kind of uh, defeats the purpose. Um, all that to say, today I am not reading from the NRSV. Um, and so sometimes I don't read that uh, particular version. And today I'm going to read from the King James Version, simply because of the fact that that tends to be the version uh, that most of us are familiar with when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. And it's the one, um, if we ever read one or, 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 or say it out loud, it tends to be from uh, the King James. So uh, I'm going to read that. We'll, we'll read the preface to that prayer, which, or, yeah, which is um, it's kind of a little bit old Englishy, if you will. So, um, so bear with me as we read these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Jesus says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut any door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray. God, we pray that on this morning, this well-known prayer, the Lord's prayer, that it will sink even more deeply into us. These are words, Lord, that we know well. 
But I pray, God, that today we would hear them afresh, that we might understand, hear, and experience what it means to pray to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. So I've got a good friend of mine named Alex. And uh, I, I met him back in grad school when I was in the Chicago area. And, and he's, um, I was trying to describe him. I should have brought a picture of him or projected one that he may not have liked that. But he, he's, kind of a, he's kind of a big, hairy, burly, clumsy kind of guy. If you can kind of picture a guy like that, and uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of what he's like, okay? And those are all fine things. There's nothing wrong with being big and hairy and clumsy, right? Right, thank you. Uh, someone was like, yeah, amen. All right, so. So he was going to, about 15 years ago, he decided, you know what, I want to be a personal trainer. Uh, and so, and so he, he did all the work, he, he did the research, he studied up because he had to take a, an exam in order to kind of be certified, if you will. So he, he did all that, he got all ready, and he went to take the test. And, and there were, as, he, as he went there, he realized that the other people who were taking the test, there seemed to be a lot more women than men, but he didn't, he didn't think too much of it. He thought, I'm sure it's probably fine. And so he, he went there, and then he started started taking the written part of the, the exam. And so he started taking it and, and uh, he, he noticed, you know, some of these questions I know, but there's a lot of questions about aerobics in here. And that's kind of strange. I wonder why so many aerobics questions for a personal fitness trainer kind of test. And so he, he, he but he, he kept on. And so he, he answered as best as he could. And, and then he, he kind of turned it in and, and they all waited and the instructor came and the instructor said, okay, well, that's, that's great. You guys are done with the written part of the exam. Now, here's the next part of the exam. I, each of you on your own, you have 15 minutes to come up with a five-minute aerobic routine that you are going to do in front of everyone. And at that moment, he realized that he was at an aerobics instruction, instructor certification, not at a personal fitness and so he looked around and he was just kind of staring there out of, you know, out of pain and, and angst and awe. And everyone else had kind of declothed, if you will, right? They had their spandex on underneath, but, but, but he didn't. He just had on these big, you know, kind of clumsy, saggy clothes. And he had, to, he had to sit there and he had to think, do I stay here or do I try to sneak out the back door? Well, he stayed, and so he put together, and if you could kind of think like a Chris Farley kind of, you know, video of, of him kind of staying together and actually kind of doing this, this whole routine, right, even though he had no idea what he wanted to do. Now, he actually almost passed, or so he tells us. He, he lost by just a couple of votes, he said. Um, otherwise, or a couple of points, he was point shy. But I, I, I love thinking about that story because, A, it just makes me laugh, and I, I wish so much that someone had videoed that, but... But I, I like to think about it whenever I get in a situation where I, I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in the wrong place, right? Somebody just this morning here, a woman, uh, accidentally went into the men's bathroom, right? That's one of those, uh-oh, right? I'm in the wrong place, right? And, and so how many times do you perhaps, or can you think of a situation where you have been in that sort of setting? And I also think about that when it comes to the Lord's prayer. Now, I realize that that may not seem like a direct correlation to you, but here's the reason why. We need to remember what's happening when Jesus gives the disciples the Lord's Prayer here in the book of Matthew. 
Last week, we talked about Jesus calling the disciples. You may recall that, right? The disciples quickly left their nets and their boats in order to follow Jesus. They didn't know exactly what it meant to be a disciple. They didn't really know what they were getting themselves into, but they said, absolutely, we'll be disciples. And so they take off, right? And in Matthew, the fourth chapter is where that happens. It's a pretty similar tale. And so all of a sudden then, here are these new disciples, if you will, who are finally now going to begin learning what it is that they have signed up for. Because in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the time when Jesus begins to teach these disciples what it is that they have signed up for. What it means to be a disciple. Right? And so how does that begin? Well, it begins with what we call the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And then it kind of continues to go on. And Jesus says things like, you've heard it say, you know, that you shouldn't murder. Well, I tell you that if you are angry, you will be judged. And, And then he goes on to say, it's where, you know, if someone hits you on one side, slaps you on one side, turn the other cheek, right? And, and then if someone forces you to go one mile, you should go Two, and if someone asks for your cloak or your tunic, you should give them a cloak. And, and then it goes on to say, you know, you've heard it say that you should love your neighbor. I am telling you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So think about this. If you are one of these early disciples, why did you sign up with the Messiah? Well, a part of it is because you thought that you were going to ride with the Messiah into Rome and take over against the Romans, right? And yet here they are listening to Jesus and they've realized they have signed up for the wrong class because they hear Jesus speaking, and it's clear that the class that he's teaching is in how do we pray and love our enemies, these Romans? How do we pray for those who are persecuting us, not how do we take over from them? And so you could just imagine that as they're listening to this throughout that fifth chapter and the beginning of the sixth chapter, they are thinking this is not the right place. And so you wonder, perhaps someone like Simon, Peter, right? Perhaps he's looking at the proverbial back door and wondering, is there any way for me to sneak out of here? Because this is not what I signed up for. And it is in this setting where Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. Oftentimes, when we think about the Lord's Prayer, we're just kind of in here on a Sunday morning, maybe we do it at home, and it's kind of detached, if you will, from the context. And and here's what Jesus is doing. He is teaching them what it means to be a disciple. And this is not just a vertical conversation going on with God. Rather, there is also a horizontal sense here of how we view the world. And this is what's going on in the Lord's prayer. So let's think about it. Let's just kind of go through it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All right, so it starts off, of course, with our Father, right? And not in this particular scene, but in other places, Jesus will call God his Father, Abba, right? Which, of course, means Daddy, right? And there's this kind of more intimate sense about a Father. And sometimes we don't have that particular view of God, if you will. And so as someone who has, you know, uh, uh, three kids, uh, and if, you've, uh, if you have any kids, you know what that, that feels like if you're a father to come home from work, right? And all of a sudden, you know, the, the child sees, 
sees you and, and, and I was going to say just her face lights up because that's all I know is her, her, her. And so, and so her face lights up, right? Or for you, perhaps his face lights up and they run and they, they grab hold of you. Right? Or if you have that kind of relationship with your own dad, perhaps, and, and you can remember coming home and, or, or being at home and seeing daddy and going, that, that sense of intimacy and warmth of a father. But of course, he says, our father, you have the intimacy who art in heaven, right? And so you have not only that intimacy, but you also have that otherness, right? Of the fact that this is not just kind of a close friend, if you will, but this is a God who is completely other, which is important for us, of course, because you know what? I need somebody who's, who, who, who is in control of this world because I know that I am not. And so this is kind of the transcendence, as theologians would say, versus the imminence, kind of the, the, the intimacy, and that's important because many of us, we tend to, to go for one or the other. We tend to either just have that lovey-dovey God or the God who is authoritarian and over everything. And here you have this tension. But there's something else that is being implied when we say our Father who art in heaven. And that implication that we may not always think about is the fact that if it, we are saying our Father, then what does that mean about our relationship with one another? It means we are brothers and sisters, right? And this is something that Jesus will talk more about later in his ministry. But I think that that's absolutely pivotal because I think that makes us look at one another much differently if we look at each other as brothers and sisters and not just friends or fellow members. When I was raised in the Pentecostal church, um, my uncle, who was a Pentecostal preacher, sometimes he would come in and, 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 and you, we always, in the Pentecostal church, we always said brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. And so he'd preach and someone would say, oh, great job, brother Deck. And he'd say, oh, thank you, sister Shirley. And, and, and it was always that, right? And I always thought it was incredibly hokey, right? I, I, I mean, it just felt so cheesy and so weird. And, you know, I mean, it was just bizarre to me. But you'll also notice, right, that pretty much every sermon or at some point in the service, I will say something like brothers and sisters in Christ or sisters and brothers in Christ. Because the reality is, A, I'm hokey now. <laughs> but B, there, thank you. But B, there is a difference in looking at one another in that way. It doesn't mean that we'll always agree by no means. I have had more fights with my sister than with anyone else in my life. However, I have never said in the midst of that or thought in the midst of that, I'm just going to have nothing to do with you. Once or twice, I probably have, but, but I've never seriously thought I am just going to do away with you because I knew that we have the same history. We have the same mission. We have the same blood. We have the same father. And I wonder if when we're having struggles with one another, if we could simply sit there and remember that we have the same father, that we are all doing our best to serve God, our father, if it wouldn't make a difference in how we relate and see one another. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we talked a little bit about the kingdom last week and the importance of kind of our seeing ourselves as a part of the kingdom. 
And I think this is also kind of a, an interesting thing to think about the kingdom of God. Oftentimes we think about either just something going on in heaven far away or something that may happen long into the future, off in the distance in that direction. But I think we need to take Jesus seriously here when he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, however things are in heaven right now, how can we make them happen like that on earth? Right? Sometimes we, and I don't have time to get into this, questions of end times or eschatology, but I think we in the American church especially at times have kind of given into a pop Christian theology that, that, that doesn't really take Jesus' words seriously. This isn't just something that we're hoping for in the distant future. This is something that we can ask about even now. So what does it mean for heaven and earth to intersect at times? Well, I think it means exactly what Jesus says, which is when we are doing the will of God. When we are following the Sermon on the Mount, in those moments when we are loving others, when we are loving our neighbor and our enemies, when we are looking at each other as brother and sister in Christ, when we are being hospitable, when we are giving to those who are in need, in those moments, we are seeing heaven and earth intersect. The Celtics oftentimes talked about thin places those thin places where it seemed the difference between heaven and earth was not that far. And a lot of times they talk about geographic places like churches or, or perhaps off in the woods someplace. But I think it also can mean times. In those times when we are following the will of Christ rather than our own desires, in those times, heaven and earth are intersecting. What might it look like if we begin to look at what we do in that way? We begin to see heaven and earth beginning to come together until that day when Jesus returns and finally the new heaven and new earth are there. That we get to play a role in helping heaven and earth to intersect. That's a part of his prayer here. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now that of course means something very simple, which is at first at least, which is simply the fact that everything that we have is dependent on Okay, God, good. A little weak, but I think you're starting to get there, okay? This is something we've talked about quite a bit. Right? And, and, and we don't talk about it just because we want to keep talking about it. We talk about it because we're reading scripture. And again and again, one of the most important parts of discipleship and learning what it means to be a disciple is what it means for us to begin to grow in our understanding that everything we have, bread, homes, jobs, family, whatever it is, it is all a gift from God. And the more that we live into that, the more we understand and are living out this Lord's prayer. But not only that, but for those of us who don't just kind of read through the Lord's Prayer quickly to try to get to the amen so we can move on with the service, we will see that when we are praying and when we are thanking God for what he has provided for us, that we are also asking and wondering, what about those who are not, who do not have bread today? 
One scholar says that this is a prayer both of gratitude, but it is also a prayer that should put a thorn in the flesh of complacent disciples. Those disciples, you cannot read that if you are thinking about it. You cannot read, thank you for the bread, give us our daily bread, and not think about those who do not have it. For those who do not have a roof over their head. For those who do not have a place to work. What about them? And so if we are reading again the Lord's Prayer, if we are listening to it, we are thanking God, but we are also changing how we see one another. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're going to have this memorized no matter what after this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now this is always the part of the prayer that gives us great pause. And not because of its meaning, but because of the fact that all these different faith traditions are always saying different things, right? Some people say debts, some people say trespasses, some people say sins, right? This is always the best way if you're Presbyterian to find out who's actually visiting, right? You always know who the visitor is. You don't have to ask them to raise their hand. You just say the Lord's Prayer because inevitably someone's gonna say, trespasses and it takes so much more time, right? I mean, we, we, we Presbyterians are efficient. Why go three syllables if you can go two, right? Just three weeks ago, we were sitting right there and there was someone behind us that was saying trespasses. And I was like, I got you. I know you're visiting, right? <laughs> but it should give us pause, not just because of the fact that some people add a syllable to it. It should give us pause for the simple reality that discipleship begins with forgiveness. It begins with our own understanding of how we are fallen, how we are weak, that we are not perfect, and that we therefore must depend on God for his grace, for his love, and for God's forgiveness. And that is so much, that is where discipleship begins at that place. But we serve, as this Lord's Prayer reveals, a God who loves to forgive. In fact, this is what gets Jesus in trouble again and again in his ministry is that he's always wanting to forgive people that others do not want to be forgiven. And here we see the horizontal and the vertical working, the vertical and the horizontal working perfectly. Because here in the Lord's prayer, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us for those who have sinned against us. Help us to forgive them. We've talked about the fact of the reality that there is a direct correlation, I think, between how much you feel like you've been forgiven by God and how much you can forgive others, right? I've got a couple family members, I've mentioned this, who are always quick to judge and who always love holding a grudge, right? This is just what they do, judge and grudge. It's just a part of what they do. And I have seen in their lives that a part of the reason it seems to me for that is that they do not genuinely believe that they have been forgiven and loved by God. That there are things that they have done in their past that they cannot let go of. They cannot actually believe that God would really forgive them. And because of that, it keeps them from being able to genuinely and freely forgive those in their lives who have done them wrong. And so as I've said before, if you are wrestling, and we know this, I mean, we know this better than anyone else. If there are people whom you know you are struggling with forgiving, 
That perhaps the best place to begin is not by forcing yourself to want to forgive them, but is by simply asking yourself, do I really accept that God has forgiven me? Because the more that we embrace that forgiveness, the more we will be able to then go out and to care and to forgive others. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, if you go this week and you go to your home group and you go to read this in your Bible, that last part for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever may not be there. And there are lots of reasons for that, but we don't need to get into all of that right now. What is significant though, in that aspect of this sermon, it seems to me, or this prayer, is that Jesus is helping them to see what is coming in the future. Remember, where is Jesus when he's teaching the disciples this prayer? Sermon on the Mount. Is this at the beginning of his ministry or the end? It's at the beginning. So what does Jesus know is coming down the pike for him and for the disciples? Death, bad stuff. And here is Jesus right now preparing the disciples that there is going to come a time in the next months and years when the Pharisees will turn against me, when the Romans will nail me on the cross, when the tomb has been sealed, when you may begin to believe that evil has won. And what Jesus is teaching them here right now is that no matter what comes, no matter how victorious it may seem that evil is, never give up hope. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And as we sit here this week, right now on Sunday morning, you do not know what is going to happen the rest of this week. None of us know. So Jesus is sitting here and he's telling us, as you say this prayer, as you say it perhaps every Sunday morning or throughout the week, know this, that no matter what happens, that God is still in control. Jesus is a pretty bright guy. And here, remember later on in his ministry, someone will ask him, what are the two greatest commandments? And what, what does he say? What are those two greatest commandments? Love God and love neighbor. And do we see how here in the very beginning in the Lord's prayer, he doesn't say it explicitly, but how this prayer is about loving God and loving neighbor. Love God, your father, and the one who is heaven in heaven. And look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Focus on God in heaven, but realize that that place can intersect with what's going on here at earth whenever you do the will of God. Be thankful for bread, but as you are doing so, wonder who those around you are in need of bread. Thank God for the forgiveness that he has given to you, but ask whether or not there are those around you whom you need to forgive. Love God and love neighbor. And so this week, the homework that you're going to have, whether you're in a home group or not, you still have homework. And it is this. It is to read every morning and every night the Lord's Prayer. 
And every morning, I hope that as you read that, you will reflect. And as you go out, you will say, Lord, what does it mean for me to to be a disciple? Who are those people whom I may need to forgive? Who are those people whom I would prefer not to look at as a brother and sister in Christ, but as an enemy or someone who disagrees with me? Who are those people who need something to eat, who need a place to stay? And as you go to bed each night and you read that Lord's Prayer, say, God, this week or today, did I depend on you? And have I received your forgiveness? And have I been grateful for what you have provided for me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen.